hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. So you want to travel, but you're scared. You think that things are getting better with COVID and it's time to escape, but what ifs keep coming up? Is there any way to protect yourself and your money? You're listening to episode 254 of the Queer Money Podcast, and as part of our 2021 Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke campaign, today we have self-defined travel, travel rewards, and travel insurance geek Bobby Lee on the show to dispel some myths, share his insight, and help us know how to protect ourselves with travel insurance during the age of COVID. Remember, if you have money questions or suggestions for show topics, ask in the Queer Money Facebook group, and we'll follow up with answers or a show to cover your question. Thanks again, and let's get on with the show. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is Queer Money. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Capital One's checking and savings accounts have no fees and no minimums. And with one of the best saving rates in America, you can rest easy watching your money grow with no fees to bring you down. You can open an account in about five minutes which means you are only about five minutes away from getting your savings to grow with one of the nation's best rates. Join our movement to build a community of happier, healthier, and wealthier gay men by getting your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash happy. Welcome to the Queer Money Podcast, Bobby Lee. It's uh, it's great to finally have you on our show. You're one of the few queer personal finance writers and individuals creating content that are in our community. And it's great to have you on the show. Oh, absolutely. I I am excited to be here. You know, I've known you guys for a long time and known that all the great work that you've done. And I'm really excited to be here to talk about uh, what we're gonna be talking about today. Awesome. Thank you. Well, and that's, that's, I think, a good point here. What do you write about? <laughs> yeah, I think that you know, the personal finance is such a, a broad topic, but I think that you kind of seem to have figured your little niche here of travel, travel rewards, credit cards, that kind of topic. Tell us a little bit about what you write and why you got into that. Sure. Uh, and really, I, I, the, the way I kind of describe it is consumer skills. Personally, just personally speaking, I'm a huge follower of the credit card benefits, rewards, and travel space. I love everything that goes on in this space, the innovation, the behind the scenes, business strategy. For someone, for a geek like me that loves <laughs> this sort of, you know, this back and forth between corporations and, and, and great ideas, like this is, this is amazing, an amazing space for me. And I, I've been following it for many, many years. And I've been helping Helping folks and advising folks on, on how to navigate it because, again, this is about consumer skills. I've been in the space for a long time around uh, personal finance. And like I said, the way I always couch it is it's not just about the tactics of saving money or budgeting. It's about how you make good decisions around purchasing, around travel in this case. There's strategies and tactics and, and this credit card benefits, rewards, travel, th- this is just one facet of that. One of the interesting things about it is, uh, and I always draw this parallel, we talk about being in a cash crunch or, or having issues with your credit or you know not knowing how to budget. Those are sort of basic topics that most all personal finance bloggers and, and, and folks talk about in this space. But you know, travel, points and miles, you know, these credit card benefits. And in a way, it's it's also a proxy for that cash. It, you know, cash is physical, points and miles aren't. But typically, I'm using, you know, huge generalities here. But we seem to be, generally speaking, more impulsive in the way that we spend it, not sure about the true value of those points and miles. So there's this sort of next level sort of like chessboard strategy <laughs> to figuring out how to maximize that value. And that that sort of strategy is where I get really, really interested. Yeah. And so t- a couple of things. I love that you use the word geek because I think this is a, a, an appropriate use of the term, right? When you really are really enthused and, and have a lot of interest in a particular topic, you can totally geek out about it. I think it's all you know that John and I are geeks about money and lots of things that are related to money, including the 
mindset behind money. But I also will say you're what you're talking about how to use credit cards and credit card points and all that as this kind of proxy for money. John and I like to refer to credit cards specifically, but I think in general, when it comes to the rewards, as swimming in the deep end when it comes to finances, because you really do have to understand what you're doing, or you can really hurt you. But when you understand and you make those wise choices, those smart choices, wow, the doors that it opens up to you, right? Oh, absolutely. John and I, when we got married three years ago, our honeymoon, our trip to Europe and six, seven nights of, uh, of hotel stay in Ireland, that was all paid for by credit card reward points. And that was, you know, we're, we're talking probably that had we used cash, that probably would have cost us about six to $8,000 to take that trip, but we were able to do it with, with points. So it's awesome to be able to figure out a way to use them wisely. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, this is a game of arbitrage and leverage, right? You're looking to stick somebody else with that bill, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> you know, you mentioned your honeymoon, you know, the thousands of dollars, the, the way that, that these benefits and, and reward programs have been positioned experience this aspirational travel uh, experience or this trip, um, travel in first class, you know, and don't think about the money involved because it's just points. And the danger in that is you have to know how to maximize the value of your miles and points and play that arbitrage. So a great simple example of the arbitrage is sign up for a credit card, get 100,000 points as a promotion, turn around and oh, hey, the same airline I got the credit card from is also offering a sale for you know 80,000 points for this first class ticket that used to be 100,000 points. So therefore, I've quote unquote made some money or made some value on that. And that's a sort of a simplistic view of it. But as, as you look at a lot of the travel bloggers that are out there, they're taking this to the next level. They're saying, buy the, buy, get the credit card, buy this product, then transfer it here, then, then put it here, then deposit it here, and then redeem it here. And then after you go through these five gates, uh, you will finally get what is effectively a thousand dollar trip for one dollars and thirty two cents. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, it is fun, and you know, I th I think that's why queer people in the personal finance space, a lot of us like to talk about these benefits. Well, I think it's it, it's interesting that so many people in the queer community love to travel. If we can, we definitely love to travel. We get get out there, experience what gay life or queer life is like in other places around the world. I mean, I think it was even Grinder that mentioned that gay men, I think specifically, or maybe it was the whole LGBT community, spend upwards of 10% of all of our money on travel. So it's clearly something we're definitely interested in as a community. But we're kind of stuck right now, or at least it kind of feels that way, right? Due to COVID. Um, oh, yeah. So when it comes to wanting to get out there and travel and dealing with what's going on, I think a lot of us have some fears or insecurities or maybe some inhibitions of wanting to do something. We were talking with Bobby before the show I put a poll out in a rather large Facebook group. And what I thought was so interesting, I asked the question, what do you plan on doing for Pride this year? And the, basically the three options were nothing, I'm staying home because I don't feel I'm ready to go out of the house. Two, I'm going to do it in my own city. Or three, I'm going to travel, go to another city, balls to the walls kind of thing. And what was interesting is only 11% of people said that they were ready to take that step and actually travel. So I think there's a huge inhibition, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk with you a little bit around this idea of what can we inform ourselves with when it comes to insurance or maybe some changes that are going on in the travel industry? So when you look at things like booking travel, what types of insurance do you usually see being available for individuals? And maybe also, is there anything new due to COVID? 
Yeah, there's a lot that's new, and and I, I should probably preface this by saying, you know, I'm I'm not a licensed insurance broker, but but most of these policies you'll see, you know, the information is out there, and it really takes a keen eye to really understand the hoops that you have to jump through to really redeem these policies. So, uh, you know, in general, these insurance policies can really be divided into sort of two areas. There are the supplier offered insurance. So these are insurance policies that you'll see offered directly from airlines or cruise lines or travel agents, et cetera. And there are these sort of independent policies that you buy on your own. And so the difference is, you know, the supplier offered ones are, you know, you'll see it at the bottom of the page where it'll say like, hey, just for $5 more, add, you know, uh, Allianz is one of the big ones, Allianz travel insurance, and and you'll get $50,000 in protection. But the problem is that protection is not there for you. It's there to to maximize the profit for the supplier, for that airline, for that cruise line, whatever. The other policy, and this is the area that's much more interesting, is the individual policy market. So you can go out and contrast and compare and look at hundreds and thousands of policies from from 50 to 100 different carriers out there. Uh, and there are a lot of sites out there that, that compare it, like, you know, insuremytrip.com and squaremouth.com. And and these are, they, they have an affiliate relationship or they may get some kickbacks, but it's important to find one that has a lot of ability to compare across a wide spectrum of policies out there. And what that allows you to do is to really get into the nitty gritty of the plan features because every plan is different. Every plan covers different things, and there are lots and lots and lots of exclusions out there. And in particular, you mentioned this a little bit earlier, in, in the LGBT community, we are very, very travel-focused. We're jealous when we see our friends on that uh, <laughs> beach trip down to down to PV, for example. You know? oh, I don't have and a jealous bone we, in my body. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> you know, we, we all want to do it for the, for the Instagram and, 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 and whatever social media platform. But don't let that get in the way of making smart, choices especially around protecting your your money and your in your and your trip and trip money as well on these vacations yeah i love that i i do think it's it's smart but i guess i have a question you brought up this idea that that these uh, add-ons that i see that united or american or whomever has to get insurance that they're more for the carrier than they are for me as the consumer does that mean that when John and I went over to Spain for three months and I added that extra insurance on in case during Mardi Gras, John or I fell and broke a hip, because we're at that age now, uh, if, if we, since we did that, does that mean that it really wouldn't have protected us? It really depends on the fine print. And generally speaking, in the policies that I've reviewed from the suppliers, they have oftentimes uh, many more exclusions and a much higher barrier to making a claim. And that's not to say that it's not useful, but to say that the scope of the policy typically, as I've seen, is more limited. But putting that aside, pricing-wise, it is also an issue because you're only presented with one option on the page. That's Whereas true. when you go to a comparison site, yeah, when you go to a comparison site, it's uh, you're seeing 40, 50, 60 options and you can price compare and feature compare. Now, I, I will just put one side note here. There are some add-ons with these carriers that do make sense that are often disguised as insurance. And it's important to know that these airlines, these car rental places, these cruise lines, they can't sell you street insurance because they are not licensed insurance brokers. So they'll couch it in terms like protection, trip protection, cancellation protection, unforeseen incident protection, but they cannot use that insurance term because they're not licensed brokers. And so what you'll see a lot of intentional confusion around that. There are some features like there's a small airline out of Minneapolis called Sun Country. Uh, many years ago, they offered something called Uflex. And Uflex allowed you to do one name change on your ticket, one date change on your ticket, and one other change. I am, I'm not recalling that other one, but for a low price of something like $8, $9. Like, hey, that's a no-brainer. Is, is that insurance, though? Or is that more like a we're protecting you against our really rigid policies if you just pay us a little bit more up front. So there's there's a little bit of a blurring of the line there, you know. You bastards. I thought this was insurance, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so specifically with COVID, are you seeing any additional 
insurance coverage or changes into insurance coverage to help address the, the risk, fears, and concerns about COVID? Yes. It's just like going through stages of grief in the insurance industry. First, when COVID happened, they're like, oh my gosh, we're going to get hosed for billions of dollars on these claims. And then a couple of weeks later, they said, oh, wait a second. We've actually written in exclusions where we don't have to cover this. Oh, great. We're not going to get hosed for billions of dollars. And then the consumers are saying, oh, well, wait a second. Why aren't you covering us for, for COVID? This is a, you know, and this is back and forth that happened. Uh, luckily, through all of that now, we've gotten to the point where insurance carriers have realized that this can be a profit center for them by offering coronavirus or COVID protection as either an add-on or as a main feature of a policy. You'll typically see with, with travel policies that there are different levels. You know, we think about, you know, uh, Affordable Care Act, uh, health insurance as bronze, silver, and gold, and platinum, very similar with travel insurance. You'll see different levels, and you'll see different coverage, and more importantly, you'll see uh, really enticing add-ons like like, you know, for an extra dollar, add an extra $100,000 in trip accident insurance. Same thing with COVID. You know, a lot of these carriers will offer a COVID add-on or they'll include it as part of a more expensive, more premium level of policy. But the devil is in the details of, of what they exactly cover. It sounds like selling Ginsu knives on TV all of a sudden, right? For for just 99 cents more, right? But you're <laughs> hey, I, hey, processing and shipping and handling, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> but I you know, I think this is where so many of us we get that deer in the headlights, right? That pops up and we're like, do I do it? Do I don't do it? Do I do it? Do I don't do it? And we're like, then we see all of this writing and we're like, I'm not gonna read all that. And we just click through. So what kind of things are we seeing out there that might be kind of maybe built in that protect us before we think about moving on to an extra add-on? Sure. And it's important to sort of outline what trip and travel insurance typically covers as sort of a baseline of coverage oh, yeah. and versus some of the other features that are out there. So at a very basic level, you'll see all of them covers something around a death if you die en route and you know there may be a trip interruption or trip cancellation, not you canceling trip, but some foreseeable incident like a disaster. Uh, and that's sort of the most level of trip insurance. And and it was so funny the other day I was just I was just thinking back, you know, there was a time when you would when when you go to the airport, there would be a kiosk at the gate that would say buy trip insurance and you fill out the form and drop your money into a, into a little <laughs> little kiosk you know but we've evolved since then and 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 there's many more features so now when you move up to the mid level the higher tier insurance policies you'll see delayed bag insurance if your bag is delayed more than 6 hours they'll pay you 100 bucks uh, you'll see evacuation insurance so you know if you have a heart attack or you break both legs they'll they'll evacuate you out of whatever country you're in and then the sort of the premium tier and where you get to the add-ons, and this is where, where it gets really interesting, is you have things like the COVID coverage that we talked about, or uh, there's something called cancel for any reason insurance or CFAR insurance. And that is something that I think most people assume is automatically covered by trip insurance, but is not. Uh, mm. Okay. Well, that's good. That is, I guess that is good to know, right? Especially right now with COVID, what can we expect when, you know, if maybe I change my mind or I get sick or that kind of thing, I guess that's where it becomes important to look at the details to see what it is that you have covered. Because changing your mind may be one thing completely different than I've got a positive test or a family members in the hospital or something like that. Those are probably completely different circumstances. There's something that they use, uh, the terminology that they use in the industry called, you know, is this foreseeable? Was COVID foreseeable or is COVID foreseeable? And it, it depends how it's defined by the insurance company. So some insurance companies are saying COVID is absolutely foreseeable. We knew about it in February of 2020. We're never going to cover this ever again. There are others that define it as, well, COVID is actually specific to you. So if you don't have the virus now, and you get it later, we couldn't foresee that. Therefore, we will cover you if you are infected by COVID. So the definitions matter, the terms and conditions matter, the exclusions matter. And unfortunately, there's no way around 
you know, reading that certificate of insurance. Uh, it is ungodly small type. It is, you know, 40, 50 pages. Um, you probably need to go to the eye doctor afterwards. Uh, but, but absolutely, because a pandemic has never factored into a policy before. You know, they, they, these actuaries, these underwriters have thought through acts of war, you know, a plane crash, you know, you break your, your ankle, you break your leg, but, but pandemic was just, you know, it was just so far out there. Like why? They, I mean, they, they've thought of, you know, a, uh, I've seen a policy with space debris crashing or volcanoes, but never a <laughs> pandemic. So, so this is new. And for those who are concerned about COVID and what's being covered, what I've seen out there on the marketplace is, is really divided into two camps. Either you've booked a trip, and bought the policy pre-COVID, or you bought it recently. If you've booked a, a, a maybe like a family reunion trip and and you bought the insurance policy way back then, many carriers are offering waivers. So they're saying like typically we won't cover a COVID infection and hospitalization, but we know it's an extraordinary circumstance and for a, a good PR move, we'll we'll cover it for you under this waiver. Uh, it's important to look at those waivers and see if they actually what they do cover. For those who have contracted COVID while on a trip that they recently booked with a recent policy that they purchased and they've added the COVID protection as the add-on, what you'll typically see is they'll cover uh, the medication, they'll cover a basic level of exams, of testing. It may or may not cover an evacuation to get you out of there. It may fall under the evacuation part of that policy. But every policy is vastly different. And one thing I'll note here is the coverage levels matter as well. So it, it could say, you know, hey, we'll cover an exam with a doctor, but it may only cover 50 bucks for you to get from wherever you are to that doctor. And it may take a thousand dollar trip to get there. Or they may evacuate you out of, you know, some some country and send you back to America to your home, but they may only cover you for $25,000 for evacuation. But the fact is that a medical evacuation out of a foreign country can cost, you know, $100,000, $150,000 or more depending on your situation. So even if you are covered in name and based on the benefit, how much of that benefit do you have? Right. Yeah. Jesus, there's a lot of Lots of factor in. It's almost like you need like a, an insurance a travel insurance broker <laughs> to absolutely to, and, to and, connect you know, these, to the right coverage. You know, and, and that's a great part about these comparison sites is you can filter. You know, based on what you're looking for, it is absolutely overwhelming. But here's the thing: the game here is that the insurance companies don't want you to make a claim. They're going to try to exclude themselves from most everything. And they make money when you don't make a claim. So you sort of have to sit down and think about what are the possibilities. And there are, there are region-specific and country-specific things that you that you want to take into consideration. If you're going on a, uh, you know, on a, on a safari out in the middle of, of nowhere land, you're probably going to want not only trip insurance, but also maybe some short-term health insurance that can cover you while you're there. Because by the way, trip insurance may cover a very nominal amount for maybe an exam, like maybe a hundred dollars or two fifty, but it's not. Most of them don't offer comprehensive health insurance while you're while you're on a long trip like that. But it depends. Like if you're just going for a quick weekend in some other, you know, let's say UK, you may not need that. You may need a, a lesser level of insurance. But it just it all really depends what what the risks are, and you have to weigh that against how much you're willing to pay and what what the companies are offering in their policy. Gotcha. Thank you. So if I just want to take a basic gay vacation, I want to go down to Puerto Vallarta. Basic gay vacation. Or I want to go down to- sounds like an oxymoron to me. (laughs) Prance around in my Speedo in Miami or something. Just something pretty basic beach vacation with some boys and cocktails. And I'm anxious to to book that trip. Mm -hmm. But I'm also somewhat cautious about COVID and I'm not quite sure what direction things are going to go. They they seem to be going great. We seem to be heading in the right direction, but I'm not 100%. But I want to, I'm going to lock in that right now. What kind of language do I want to look for, for insurance coverage, if I decide to change my mind two or three months out? How does your bank support the LGBT community? Not at all? For Pride in June? Or 365 days a year? Capital One proudly supports the LGBT community throughout the year. Maybe it's time to support a bank that supports us. Go to debtfreeguys.com forward slash cafe for more info. 
your first line of defense is going to be with the supplier itself, the airline, the tour company, uh, the cruise line. Oh, actually, no one's cruising right now, but but you know, let's say theoretically, <laughs> if, the, if there was a they're on their phone line, cruising, they're not on a ship cruising. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's your first line of defense is with the supplier. You're going to want to look for that airline to say, hey, we have maximum flexibility, no change fees, no cancellation fees, etc. That's your first line of defense. That's the easiest and most direct way to get your money back. Now. The one thing you don't want to end up is you don't want to end up in a situation where you've booked through a third-party supplier. So there are a lot of consolidators and discount travel agents out there who say like, hey, we, we put this package together for you. Now it's much harder to get your money back. Now it's much harder to get the flexibility to reschedule because now you've got a middleman in there involved between you and that supplier. And the terms of the contract between that travel agent or that tour company and a supplier are much different and offer fewer protections for you as a consumer than if you were to have just booked directly with them. Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely avoid going through an Expedia or a local travel agent or a tour company, book directly with the supplier and make sure that you understand the details of their change waivers, their cancellation waivers, uh, and make sure they apply for the dates that you are traveling. Your second layer will be that that trip insurance, uh, but but that that's a much longer path to getting your money back. You, you you're going to want to make sure that supplier you have that direct relationship with the supplier first, so you can go back and get your money there. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this idea that there are certain kind of built-in insurances when it comes to things like I don't know sometimes with travel uh, air travel, but I'm thinking more along the lines of. Like when I go rent a car, <laughs> um, what kind of things um, are we seeing when it comes to that kind of insurance? What does maybe my own car insurance cover? What does the credit card or debit card that I'm using cover? Uh, you know, I'm thinking about when we were in uh, Spain and a friend visited, we rented a car for a week and we drove through southern Spain, and there was that insurance that gets added on, or they ask if you want to add that insurance. And just kind of question, is it makes sense to get that? Does it make sense to just say, no, I, my uh, insurance, with my regular car insurance covers it, or the credit card to cover it? Well, how do we make that kind of decision? Well, it, it, this is another one of those complicated. You're gonna, your, your eyes gonna roll in the back of your head. Sort of. What answers. if? <laughs> it's it's not simple. And when once you cross into another country, it, you know, uh, all bets are off. It becomes a whole different ball game. You know, rental car insurance products are predatory in nature. They've got you at the counter. They're going to try to sell you. They're going to say, hey, you're you're in Mexico. You don't know what's going to happen to the car. Here are your three choices. And oh, they all come from the rental company. And, and they position it, again, sounding like it's insurance, but they cannot sell you insurance. They're not licensed to sell you insurance. So they're going to use terms that confuse you, like this is protection, liability protection, collision protection. And so it's there to confuse you. And they've done tons of research around this to, to ensure that you they extract maximum amount of dollars from you. So it's important to know the first place to go, talk to your car insurance company, uh, the one that insures you today. Do they offer protection while you're abroad? Uh, what do they cover? What don't they cover? Do they cover collision, liability? How does that interface with a rental car? Rental car companies are big on administrative fees and, and loss of use, and they will charge you for the number of days that they can't use a car because it's been damaged. So what does your primary auto insurance policy. What do they cover today? That's the first place to start. And typically they'll have, you know, uh, knowledge based articles that will explain everything to you and, and things that they don't cover. And based on that, that's where you should really go next. The next step is to look at your credit card. And this is where sort of the geeks in the credit card space really get excited <laughs> is that, you know, credit cards oftentimes will offer protection for damage to the car as a secondary protection. So that means that if you were in, you know, pick a country, you hit a deer, the deer runs off, and now you're left with a, a, a hood that's bent and a bumper that needs to be replaced. Well, most credit card, most basic credit cards will cover that damage uh, secondarily. So you'll have to file a claim against your primary insurance, and that's going to cost you an increase in rates. Uh, and then whatever they don't cover, the credit card will cover. However, more premium credit cards will offer something called primary insurance coverage. It means avoid touching your primary insurance at home. You just file it with 
your credit card benefit to that insurance carrier that offers the the benefit for the rental car insurance on your credit card. That way, you're not impacting your rate. That way, your credit card's handling it. Typically, they they will cover loss of use administrative fees, but that that's dependent on the card. And that way, it's kind of it's clean. It's done. It's, you know, you you're only dealing with one party here. Just your just your credit card insurance provider, and they're interfacing with the rental car company. Now, the thing is, you've got to know the exclusions on this. I've seen exclusions where any car over $30,000 US, we're not going to cover. Any car, and they are very specific, any car <laughs> that is a Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, or higher, we won't cover. And specific models they will cover. And so there's, there's all these exceptions there. You want me to have a premium credit card, but you want me to drive the Yugo. <laughs> there's, exactly. a, there's a little bit of a disconnect there, disconnect there right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and that, that's, that's the tough part is that most consumers, they're banking on most consumers not understanding any of this. So we can keep going on and on in this, but the, the bottom line is the rental car insurance coverage, it can help some people, but for the vast majority of folks out there, it is a ripoff. And you're going to get better coverage elsewhere, or uh, you're going to find better coverage with maybe your credit card or something else that you already have in your pocket. Gotcha. So it sounds like when it comes to renting a car, it makes sense to do your upfront homework by calling your that hot guy that's on the State Farm commercial and saying, (laughs) what are you guys going to cover? (laughs) And then... Making sure that your credit card, if you're going to use a credit card, has some sort of coverage. And then you can tell the person at the credit card rental counter that you're just, you're good. Sayonara, I don't need anything else from you. I highly recommend checking out Christopher Elliott. He's a he's a consumer troubleshooter out there. He, he's been writing columns for for decades. He has an inordinate number of people writing in about these sort of rental car ripoffs when it comes to you know a collision in a different country. And you can read through the horror stories on this. The main thing is whether it's rental cars, whether it's with some of the other insurance policies, you also have to read through what is the limitation of coverage? You know, how do you make your payment? So some credit cards and some insurance policies require you to make your entire payment with a single payment or on that specific card. You can't split the payment or it's a whole different ballgame if you have an award ticket as well. So we, we can get into that a little bit later. Yeah. What I think that that's the tough part about this, right? Is that they're just, and thank you for geeking out about this because there's just so much information that I think the rest of us just don't know what to do or what to think. So you're providing some really good information here that it is important for us to do a little bit of homework so that we don't either get taken by the carriers, the providers of that, or we don't end up getting ourselves into a tough spot where we aren't covered at all. So you brought up this whole idea of using rewards and we all love that. We all love the using the rewards. It's actually when we asked in the Queer Money Facebook group a long while back, why do you use credit cards? The get rewards points was the number one reason why people said they use their credit cards. So if I use rewards to say, for example, book a hotel or book air travel, is it possible to get money back or, or I'm sorry, not money back, but get a refund or of points when maybe plans change or things due to COVID cause me to not be able to travel? The answer is it depends. And uh, once again, <laughs> your eyes are rolled in the back of your head <laughs> on the terms and conditions of this. Uh, award travel adds another layer of complication. If you're booking the award trip with miles and points directly with the supplier. So let's say you have United mileage plus miles. You're booking an airplane ticket with United. Easy enough. You know, if you want to cancel and you're within the conditions of cancellation, you'll get your miles back minus, you know, some processing fee. That's easy enough. If you use the points from your credit card to book, that becomes a little bit more involved because the party that books your travel 
through your credit card so you can use your points. It's not Chase or American Express. It is a third party. And I believe for a while, for example, uh, Chase was using Expedia. Uh, Expedia's backend system to do that. So now you've got two parties involved. You have used, let's say, your Chase Ultimate Reward Points to book through what you think is Chase, but in actuality, you've gone through an Expedia backend that you didn't know about. And now you've got this weird interplay because the booking agent has to sort of cancel and release that, and Chase has to refund you on that. And the issue is that every credit card company has a different way of doing it. They have different policies around it. So it really depends, and it's really important to ask going in what those refund policies are. Now, if you have a qualifying event, let's say you you book this trip, you intend to travel, you're on the trip, and you know there's an earthquake, and you had paid for with your reward points. There are provisions written into your benefits guide that that talk about you know we will pay you back the taxes and fees, we'll pay you back the redeposit fees, or we'll pay you back at and, and this is written in one of the policies I reviewed uh, one cent per mile redeemed. So there are specific provisions around this, but again, it varies based on the travel partner, the reward, uh, who holds that uh, that point balance, and how it's booked. Wow. I can't imagine sitting down and reading one of those policies, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> um, but At least not without a glass of wine. Yeah. I, I, right. I, but then that's a whole other problem. Right, exactly. <laughs> then you don't remember what you read. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. And so I, I guess then the same thing kind of goes for insurance, right? There's this, it depends layer over almost every conversation we have here when it's whether it's getting a refund, or whether it's how you're insured, it really kind of depends on how you mm-hmm. book the travel. Exactly. And you can do your due diligence and call the the insurance carrier and say, like, hey, I want to run some some scenarios by you. Uh, and, and some of them are very helpful, especially the more established insurance carriers that are out there. They're, they're, they're helpful people. But there are some that will say, like, hey, you know, we don't know until you put in the claim and we run it through our claims department. Uh, and that's the tough part. It's, it's, it's a black box. It's like gambling. Right. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Yeah, exactly. And they're going to find any way they can not to pay you out. It, yeah. it is. Uh, there's only been one insurance carrier that I've seen that has been proactive in payouts. And you'll be surprised to hear this one. This is the Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett, you know, one of his family of companies. And, and their whole thing is to say, like, if you miss a connection, we'll automatically pay you, you know, I think it was 25 or 50 bucks, automatically direct deposited into your account immediately. And that's really few and far between. You don't see proactive insurance companies like that. but And that's not an endorsement of their product, but to say that <laughs> most of the time you're going to be filling out paperwork, you're going to be waiting weeks and weeks and weeks, and you may or may not get all that money back. And even, even, if, even if you do get something back, it won't be at 100%. It may be at 70% or 50%. And in particular, for with we talked a little bit earlier about cancel for any reason, add-on to a travel policy, travel insurance policy, that also has loopholes. They may not pay you back at 100%. They may pay you back on 80% of the non-refundable deposits that you had made up to that point. That is one one clause I've read before. And it's important to know that they all have marketing terms, you know, and names, but but the reality is you have to dive into the terms and conditions and that certificate of insurance to really understand what it covers. Okay. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) It is exhausting. Right, it is. And it does sound, you know, I kind of say this again, you bastards. It almost seems like there's this kind of intent to make it so complicated, so difficult, so arduous, whether that is submitting or trying to get the money back. It just seems so complicated. What is one suggestion or tip that you have for us when it comes to when we go to book our next trip, what maybe should we be doing to just make sure that we are taking another step? Not all the steps, because I don't think that's possible, but what is one more step we could take to make sure that we're a little bit more aware? So what is in your control is, you know, the type of products that you buy. And it's really easy to overinsure and become overwhelmed. 
And so you really got to think about what's in your control and what's not in your control. And you want to have some modicum of protection uh, around what's not in your control. Uh, you're never going to get it right 100% of the time. Uh, but any assistance you can get, you know, most commonly, you know, some of the most common things that happen is, you know, you sprain your ankle, um, you know, you, you, you hurt your leg. And those are those are more common that sort of the, the having a heart attack abroad or, you know, losing a limb like that's less common but it it really is about measuring your risk and ensuring against that risk and 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 as 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 we've all realized in this conversation it is such an arduous process one of the things you can do to really tamp down on all of the variabilities in these policies is it, there there are annual policies that are out there and this is especially good for for those for those folks who travel very often there are companies that write comprehensive policies that are good for 365 days or or longer that will cover you for every trip in your in your calendar year and that could be more helpful to folks when you have a baseline of benefits that don't change based on the carrier you go with or the country you're in or um, the the product that you buy and which broker you buy from when you have the one product protecting you for 365 days that could be a better value especially if you travel often. It's sort of just reading it one time, reading the policy one time, understanding the benefits table one time, and you're kind of done. You have one point of contact and and you learn about this company's products. They're fewer and far between, but they can provide more assurances and and more consistency in, in, in travel insurance. And would you get that through your traditional insurance carrier or is there, are there unique carriers for that? There are unique carriers for that that are out there, and a number of them you you may not recognize their name because you'll typically see sort of a, a boutique a niche of insurance carriers that cater towards sort of extreme sports, you know, student exchange trips, you know, expats that go over for you know six months at a time. It's a really small market. And so the carriers that are there, you likely won't recognize their name, and they may be hard to find, but they do exist. And the policies are less than you think they would cost. You know, I, I just right before our recording session here, I, I did I did plug in some dummy numbers and some dummy trips into uh, uh, into some of the um, comparison sites to see how much these policies can cost. And you know, you can get cheap policy, fifty hundred bucks, and and really comprehensive policy at, at three hundred or more. More. And some of these annual policies are in that same range. Mm-hmm. And so you can get decent coverage with a consistent carrier and a consistent set of uh, benefits for not much more than what you'd pay for one-off travel insurance. Gotcha. Oh, that's interesting. I, I just have never, I had never heard of that before. No, I haven't either. So what would I type into Google exactly to find that particular type of insurance? Oh man, I, I wish I wish I had I'd written down the names right before <laughs> recording because they're so they're so obscure. Year-round travel insurance or annual travel insurance or or whole family uh, longer trip insurance I think would be a great place to start. There's a couple of of USA Today articles and I'll, I'll provide the links for you so so you can uh, provide them in, in show notes. But uh, there are these policies that are out there that and these these journalists that have been very interested in covering these policies just because they're they're so unique. Nice. So let's uh, let's move away from the droll topic because I think it's <laughs> a little little hard for a lot of us, right? I think a lot yeah. of us are a little curious about. Do you have a secret tip or something you can share with us about reward travel? How to make it easier? How to feel like we made a big win? There's nothing that will make it easier because these program administrators and these banks or travel suppliers that 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 create these programs the more complicated it is the better it is for them because they want you to redeem but they don't want too many people to redeem. Right. There's a there's a if you really want to get into it there's there's a term called breakage um and, and what they use in the in the rewards industry around this idea of redemption and it's not easy and the folks that you see that are out there in Business Insider, that are out there on the points guy saying, hey, I opened this credit card and I went on a 30-day trip to blah, blah, blah and first class and all that, 
what they've done is they've taken a really advanced strategy around this. And I would set some expectations around what you want. What is your goal? What do you expect out of it? You know, and I would reach out to friends and talk to them about, you know, what, what they've done in the past. I would look at, at, at a lot of the travel blogs that are out there that have strategy around this. But you've got to know what your appetite is. Most people don't have the time to sit there. And I'll, I'll give you a good example. I did this arbitrage thing. I transferred, I transferred miles a couple different places just to try to get an upgrade uh, on a on a Singapore Airlines flight to business class. And this is a, a notorious, a notoriously hard seat to get. That's a good uh, airline too. That's a great airline to fly. <laughs> phenomenal airline. And I got to tell you, this is a side note. They have something called Book the Cook, which lets you pre-order your meal, a custom meal. And I ordered a uh, a steak. It was the best, perfectly medium rare steak I've ever ordered in my life <laughs> on <Wow>. an airplane <laughs> on the airplane and the funny part about that was the catering company forgot to load up a number of the meal carts so they loaded my meal but a lot of other people didn't have a meal so oh, I was like no. oh gosh this steak is so good I'm looking over and nobody you're lucky you made it there alive <laughs> yeah I did I did but transferring these points, it became such a, pr a process because it turns out, you know, hey, there, it takes 14 days to process. Then I got to make sure there's availability for my flight because I've already booked my flight and I just want an upgrade. I've got to call in every day. And, and, and you know, these these folks on the phone are saying like, oh, call us twice a day. Make sure that the, that the you know, we can let you know twice a day if the seat's open. And it becomes such a production. I was literally taking my work breaks to call over to Singapore to see if, hey, did the seat open up? Is there availability? And and so you get into this process of how much of it is it worth to you? Right. right. If you don't have the time and the energy or the mental capacity and bandwidth to want to deal with it, is this a game that you want to get into? Because ultimately, if you trace out all the different paths and all the different scenarios, you're going to lose more times than you win. Yeah. That makes sense. I think that's, again, I, I think... I think the title of this show should be called You Bastards. <laughs> it seems like there's just so many times that, where... Can we, just... can we do it in Cartman's voice? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it, it's, it's really unfortunate because it, it's become big business. You know, these airlines and these credit card companies, they place a value on these programs. United has, you know, sort of mortgaged their mileage plus program during this pandemic to get some money out of it. Air Canada is a great example. They've literally they sold their loyalty program and made money from it. They see it as a actual separate company. And that's the sort of mentality you have to approach it with is that this isn't about loyalty. This isn't about like, hey, you've been a great customer, we're gonna give you some miles, you know, fly free on us. This is big business billions of dollars exchanged and you're just trying to get your piece out of it this is an expiring currency this is a complicated currency this is a very illiquid currency and if uh, you know i would really take time to think about do you have the energy the passion do you really want to learn all this or is a more simplified version of this maybe better for you yeah that's a good takeaway I think, you know, we have to remember that I think you do get confused, right? Because you're like, oh, this is a reward. Or it's a perk. They're giving it to me because I'm special. And it's like, no, it's an actual business. And unless you run it like a business, you're going to get taken advantage of. It's exactly like the credit card, right? It's We think like it's, oh, it's a convenience. but it's, it, mm -hmm. And it is a convenience if you use it right. But if you don't know what you're doing, you don't use it right. If you don't know how to swim the deep end, as David said, it can really go against you. Right. You know, there's a great, uh, great saying, you know, if everybody's special, then then who's actually special? Yeah. You know, if you think about let's separate out sort of the rewards here, you know, just think about, for example, elite frequent flyers that get, you know, they get the gold status and the platinum status and they get their free upgrades and everything. There was a number that came out from United a number of years ago that 15 percent of their entire frequent flyer membership base are considered elite. And if you think about that, you know, in a place like San Francisco with a big United hub, 15% of United Mileage Plus customers are elite. And, and what does that translate to? That means they, they fly a lot. And that means when you go on a flight, 
two thirds of the people on that plane, and this is based on personal experience, two thirds are all gold or platinum members, and they've all redeemed miles and points, and or they've gotten free upgrades. And you're competing against them, these people who fly four times a week. Plus, you're competing against a company who's against you trying to redeem. Uh, these points for the maximum value. Plus, you've got this pandemic going on and you don't know if you're going to be able to travel. And then on top of that, now you've got family members and friends you're trying to coordinate with. Like it's just, it's, I'm not trying to discourage people, but, but to say like, you've got to know what you, what you're doing going into it. Right. Absolutely. That's so true. You know, John and I have played the game several times. I remember one time, I think we were up at like 1201 so that we could call <laughs> so that we could book airline points so that we could get the super saver fare on the points <laughs> and it had to be booked no sooner than 11 months out and so we were there because this was our trip to australia and new zealand we knew that there was going to be a lot of demand for it so there we were 1201 one night couple glasses of wine in us, of course, but <laughs> we, we were waiting there to book those uh, those seats and the seats that we wanted to get were already taken. <laughs> we still oh, we still ended up getting good seats, but the seats we wanted to get. So you do have to understand what you're getting into. So if our listeners want to learn more about this and connect with you where you write this kind of content, where can they find more about you and, and how you uh, are a geek about this? <laughs> Yeah, you know, you can follow all of my personal finance content on 2minutefinance.com. That's number 2minutefinance.com. And then I do write for a number of different publications as well. And, and for those, you can always check out my my portfolio at uh, bobbyleemedia.com. Um, and I always post uh, where, where, I've, where I've written for other, other sites as well. So um, it, it, is, it is involved. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wish everybody luck because I, I'm, I'm amazed at, at the creativity that people have to to convert their points here and there and get what they want. And there are some great strategies out there, but there are, are also a lot of uh, examples of, of big failures. And you don't want to end up upside down on this. And, yeah. and that's sort of the, 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 the end of the story with, with travel insurance, with miles, with your credit card benefits. You've got to go in eyes wide open. You've got to know what you're getting into. And if you just don't have the bandwidth for it, don't get involved because you, you can go upside down pretty quickly in it. That's so true. Word of caution for everyone. So thank you, Bobby, for uh, coming on the show and talking travel insurance and a little bit more with us uh, here on Queer Money. And yeah, it's you, been our, great. Thank you. Of course. And the, to you, our listeners, please stick around for a few moments while we share our Queer Money takeaway. This podcast is sponsored by Capital One. Capital One is redesigning the banking experience by offering simple, straightforward, and seamless ways for you to bank from almost anywhere, so banking fits into your life, not the other way around. Queer Money is being brought to you in part by the five building blocks of a happy gay life. Join the growing community of happy, healthy, and wealthy gay men who love their lives inside and out. Get your free copy of the five building blocks of a happy gay life at debtfreeguys.com forward slash happy. Bobby. Thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing your knowledge with us about travel and travel insurance. I think the fact that I said you bastards at least three times in the show is evidence that insurance can be a headache. It's good to know folks like Bobby are helping us navigate this. Here's your queer money takeaway for this week's episode. Invest a bit of time when booking your next trip to protect yourself and your money. Bobby's advice about searching for travel insurance outside of the travel hotel car rental providers makes a lot of sense so that you can compare the offerings and get more than just one quote. Cheers to your next adventure, whether that be soon or a bit further off. Stay safe and protect yourself. Thanks again for listening. And remember, if you have money questions or suggestions for show topics, ask in the Queer Money Facebook group and we'll follow up with answers or a show to cover your question. Thanks again and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.